and online at suttonandjanelle.com. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg. Here are your hosts of the 2022 WVBA Talk Show of the Year, Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. It is Wednesday the 26th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, <clears throat> DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Marsha is out for the day. Uh, she's down, back down uh, visiting her mom, uh, handling some business down there. So she'll be back tomorrow. Uh, but if Marsha's tuned in, I hope you had a safe trip all the way down to the southern part of the state. And I'm sure she's definitely seeing some uh, pretty fall weather, that is for sure. Uh, but before we get into uh, a couple of past interviews I want to replay, because if you can't tell, uh, I'm struggling with my voice right now. I've got hit with one of these colds, and uh, I just can't quite shake it yet. And it's starting to take my voice with it, which, of course, perfect timing halfway through the week uh, when I got to do all of my the majority of my talking uh wednesday thursday friday and saturday so hopefully i can get my voice back in full tip-top shape uh here after a bit if you got any suggestions for me uh feel free to text me 304-263-4321 the text line for panhandle live is 304-263-4321 if you got any remedies on sore throats and losing your voice let me know of course i know about the tea and honey and things like that but maybe i don't know you got any uh, Appalachian medicine out there? I don't know if Susan's listening out in the uh, out in the main part of the station here. If she knows any kind of backwoods Appalachian medicine, uh, Susan, if you're listening to me, let me know because I am struggling uh, today. That's for sure. But I do want to whip around some local news stories here before we uh, hear from author Richard Roberts because, well, he's got a book out called West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror, and I talked to him last week about said book and while well, I gave it a read I ended up giving it to my mom who was a big time reader she was interested in it she gave it a read uh, and we both loved it so I want to listen or listen back to that interview with him so you can hear more uh, about author Richard Roberts and his book West Virginia in the Rear View Mirror but 522 we got some updates on US 522 so of course if you live through uh, or live in Morgan County and you drive through Morgan County uh, you've probably noticed that the bypass on 522 is happening US 522 bypass of Berkeley Springs is uh, is underway. Bulldozers pushing dirt, uh, clearing land, and, and making the path for a four lane bypass of Berkeley Springs. And it's uh, you know a uh, hundred million dollars or more, and it's been a long sought highway upgrade for probably 30, 40 years here in here in Morgan County. So. That's Daryl Coles, former delegate and economic development authority director over in Morgan County. Uh, he's working with, you know, constituent services for the governor's office now. But he joined us on Panhandle Live uh, last week, maybe a week, maybe a little bit plus ago to give us updates on that bypass and a couple different things happening out in Morgan County. Uh, but my question to him, which I think is an important question when it comes to bypasses, because uh, if you look at Cumberland, Maryland, say uh, out in Western Maryland, of course, 68 goes right over top, literally over top 
of um, of Cumberland, and that took a ton of the tourism out, took a lot of the business out. What's that happened? Because nobody was stopping in downtown or having to drive through downtown. Um, so that begged the question, you know, what happens to the tourists? What happens to some of that foot traffic that is kind of forced to come through downtown? Now, of course, you don't want to deal with the tractor trailers and things like that. Uh, but for the folks just out looking at, you know, trees and leaves and things like that, uh, well, you want them to come through town. But, uh, well, Daryl Colsey says that the bypass uh, would be, you know, a route for more tourists to come in to Berkeley Springs. But I just think everyone has to be proactive in, uh, in making sure those visitors know where we are. I think they already do. But, mm-hmm. you know, we got to make it easy to, to come off the bypass and slide downtown to, to have lunch or a visit or a stroll in the park. So what do you think? What do you think about that bypass out in uh, out on US 522 out in Morgan County? Do you think it's going to be a good thing? I mean, I think all total it's going to be a good thing, of course, for traffic and the livability of uh, that area of Morgan County because we all know about the traffic jams that go through 522, all because of those big tractor trailers and things and stoplights and what have you. So what do you think about this bypass on 522? You can text me your thoughts at 304-263-4321, 304 304- Two six three four three two one because well it's a big deal a lot of money is going towards that and well it could uh, it's going to alleviate a lot of traffic out there that's for sure but looking at some other things here uh, around the news sphere out of Morgan County Rob Hardesty president of West Virginia State School Board uh, he needed a, this says no thesaurus to describe uh, the state's most recent educational assessment scores so if you looked at them uh, they weren't very good now we talked about some of those uh, as the reports were being released here on Panhandle Live Marsha and myself uh, we're going through some of them and well uh, this is a quote from Paul Hardesty, uh, quote, I could use big fancy words, but I'm just going to use this one. They suck is what the West Virginia State School Board uh, president said about the recent educational assessment scores that came out. And he went on to say, quote, I mean, they're dismal. They're not good. The worst in the history of the state. So what's the answer to that? I mean, I feel like it all comes down to having to pay the teachers more, right? Because, uh, well, teachers that, uh, you know, might be a great fit for the area. They have better prospects in Maryland or Virginia or Ohio or, you know, wherever you're at in the state, Kentucky even maybe. And while they're going there and then that's taking kind of what they say, uh, the brain trust out of the state. I know there's a specific word for that, but but does it just come down to paying teachers? Not sure. Not sure. But, well, apparently the, according to the president of the state, West Virginia State School Board, Paul Hardesty, the uh, assessment scores, quote, they suck. So, yeah, take that as you will. But step aside. When we come back, we'll hear from author Richard Roberts talk about his book, West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror, which is a fantastic read, especially if you like kind of West Virginia history and you like, well, getting transported back in time to a uh, bygone time. Well, author Richard Roberts definitely takes you there with his book, West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror. And we'll hear that info back in a few minutes here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. on WEPN. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonandJanelle.com. I am Jordan Nice Warner. And a couple of weeks ago, or well, last week rather, I talked with a very interesting man. And now he's texted us on the text line before. So if you're listening, Richard, uh, shoot me another text. 
at 304-263-4321. And you can text me anytime you want about anything you want at 304-263-4321. But I was chatting with Richard Roberts. Now, he's an author, and he's got a book out called West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror. Uh, And it's about his life growing up in Fayette County, West Virginia. And then, well, it continues on to talk about his interesting life where he bounced all around the country, you know, doing different jobs here and there, meeting different people. It's a very, very interesting read. And I was able to catch up with him last week uh, to hear kind of his thoughts in his own words about West Virginia in the rearview mirror. Author Richard Roberts. Sir, how are you doing this morning? Good. I appreciate you joining me on this frigid, frigid Monday or uh, Tuesday morning. It feels like a Monday morning. I have a Tuesday morning. And before we get into uh, your book here in front of me, West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. What's your uh, background? How long have you been you know, writing and telling stories? Um, I guess all my life. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I spent uh, the first nine years in West Virginia. And then uh, I... I was taken by my parents to Washington, D.C., and I I did the 6th and 7th grade there, and then we bought a farm in Orange, Virginia, and I lived there, and um, the farm didn't work out so well for my mother, and we, I graduated high school in Fredericksburg and went to college in Richmond mm-hmm. and uh, spent about 10 years there and then moved to Harrisburg, uh, Hagerstown, Philadelphia, Man. Cleveland, Youngstown, the Chicagoland area, yeah, and then Aiken, and now I'm back to Hagerstown and and um, the Martinsburg area. So um, it's been kind of a fun life, and I set it down for my children, mm-hmm. and um, they said, "Geez, Dad, maybe you ought to put that in a book." Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, what was the reason for traveling around? Was it work and yeah, family? It was work. Yeah, yeah. I work for um, generally uh, steel companies. Okay. And um, uh, I did, I, I was working for a home builder here in Hagerstown for, um, oh, about 10 years. And um, I wound up uh, starting a business and I sold a business to a company in Philadelphia and, and it moved on from there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's get to talking about this, uh, your book here, West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror. Now this is about, and I'll let you explain it, of course, more. This is about your time growing up in Fayette County, right? Right. So how was it down there? Was it rough and tumble in Fayette County? It's a what? Was it rough and tumble down in Fayette County? Well, it was back in the 40s. Um, We had more teams of horses going through early on than we did cars. Really? Because it was during World War II, and uh, nobody uh, had a car. Mm -hmm. Very few people. My grandfather did. And um, uh, the roads were Red Dog Roads. And I don't know, most people, I don't think, understand that. But it is a shale product burning coal for the steel mills. Yeah. And um, so that was what was on the roads. We never had gravel roads. If, if, if we So it was shale roads. Shale. But that yeah. sounds pretty brutal on the tires, huh? And, and your feet when you're barefooted. <laughs> That's true. So. so what were some of the uh, you know challenges, I guess, of growing up uh, in Fayette County, West Virginia, back in the day? Well, we didn't have any electricity. Um, it was a one room school. We walked to school. It was about two miles over to this Kuntz school. Um, and everybody likes to say it was uphill both ways <laughs> and it really was, but we also walked downhill. So we walked over a, a little medium sized mountain mm-hmm. on the shale road. And, um, there was no electricity in the school. So the, um, 
the janitor was one of the eighth grade boys. Eight grades were all in the one room. And uh, he would walk about a, t- a tenth of a mile to pick with two gallon buckets and pick up the water for the kids. And um, we would drink out of an urn in the school. And we had outhouses and, and um, you know, we were just poor. We didn't know we were poor. Right. But everybody was poor. Yeah. Well, I want to read this uh, little excerpt here from uh, your book, West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror. Of course, talking with author Richard Roberts here on Panhandle Live. And it says, West Virginia, or West Virginia, it says World War II was starting and mother and dad uh, were living in a very crowded Washington, D.C. in a basement apartment that flooded uh, after every heavy rain. Housing was very tight in D.C. So a very young, so as a very young baby, I was left with my mother's parents to be raised in West Virginia. Life in rural Fayette County, West Virginia in the 40s was not like life in the rest of the country. Uh, Let me tell you about how it was was in no particular order so uh, if you don't mind go ahead and tell us a little bit more about how it was well it was um it was a old farmhouse my uh, grandfather taught school and we raised crops uh, garden type farming and um, on saturdays we would load up his 38 ford pickup truck and we would go off to montgomery and uh we would sell it to coal miners' wives. Yeah. And um, uh, that was a strange life, and I don't even know if it exists anymore. But um, the, um, the radio, for example, in the house was, was run off, off of the truck battery. So you had to start the truck up to get the radio going. You, you took the battery out of the truck that was charged, and you put it in the radio, you took the radio out of the the battery out of the radio, and you put it back in the truck, mm-hmm. and um, kept the truck running while you did all that. And um, the truck would charge your battery back up. You could only listen to the radio for about eight hours before you had to change your battery. And being a truck battery, it was kind of a cumbersome thing. Yeah. So um, mom churned the milk. We had about in a given day, we'd maybe have four or five cows giving milk. Now give us uh, the time frame for this. What years were these, was this around? And, uh, well, I started remembering things from the 43, 44. Okay. Um, and then I stayed there until 49. And that's when I went to DC. Mother and dad bought a house mm-hmm. and they could take me. <clears throat> so basically it was the 43 to 49 of the forties. Now, you talk about the 40s, of course. There was a world war going on at that time. Uh, and you talk about how uh, life, you know, down in Fayette County, life, I mean, in general was a lot different back then, but especially uh, in West Virginia during wartime. Yes. We, uh, one of the things we did was um, we collected the pods off of uh, milk pods, weeds. Yeah. In a bag, onion bag or potato bag. And we took them to school and somebody would take those pods and they were building um life rafts and things like that for the for the troops apparently they didn't sink very now well. you say now a milk pot i've never heard of a milk pot when i was reading it i kind of just assumed it was the milk you know glass milk jars from back in the day but this is a weed yeah that you could pull up out of the out of the front yard yeah we yeah we called them weeds yeah and um they were and it's a monarch butterfly delicacy by the way really yeah which Maybe the reason the butter the monarchs are going away is there's no more milkweed. Might be. So who knows? Yeah. Um, 
we everybody collected scrap metal and once a, a month the scrap guy would come around and he would buy your metal mm-hmm. depending on what it was um if you lost a, a relative or a son in the war they put a gold star in the window right and if you had two or three kids that were missing or dead you put two or three gold stars in your window <clears throat> so you, now how heavy hit was uh you know your town there in Fayette County from you know losing guys in the war for me so can you think back to you know then did you see a lot of gold stars you know in your neighborhood in sure. town yeah you did wow I mean it was you know everybody was in that war yeah and we didn't have protesters like we did later mm-hmm. with Vietnam for example hmm. um everybody was very unified and um Kids were wanting to join even when they were 17, um, particularly in West Virginia because there, was, there wasn't that much work. Right. Um, but they did um, uh, contribute in a lot of ways. They, uh, you, you find out that later on that these guys uh, uh, won awards and, mm-hmm. and um, they were sort of Audie Murphy's, which was a, a movie star that – was not a, a very big guy. He went in very young and um, was very uh, uh, brave, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and won a mm-hmm. lot of awards. Yeah. Well, again, so. speaking speaking with author Richard Roberts, author of West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror. Now, I'm kind of jumping around uh, through your book here a little bit, but I want to go back uh, to those early days down in Fayette County. And you talked about that one-room schoolhouse uh, that you went to. Now, how was that school, you know, heated? How did you kind of, you know, stay comfortable? We talked, we, as soon as you walked in, I asked you what you thought about the weather, and we commiserated on how much we dislike cold weather, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. you had some cold weather back in the day in school. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had a lot of cold weather. Um, the school had a, a central uh, heating system. That is to say, in the middle of the room, there was a wood-burning or coal-burning stove. There's big pot-belly stoves in there, big huh? pot-belly stove, and, and around the stove, maybe six inches from the pot-belly stove, was a big, round um, metal uh, blanket that got really hot, mm-hmm. and uh, so you had a, a little heat coming out in the room. If you sat by the stove in the winter, uh, you would sweat, because you were dressed for the cold weather and you were too close to the fire. So um, it was it was really neat. There was no electricity, so on a, a dark day, uh, nobody could, uh, nobody had light. Mm-hmm. And so you um, just suffered. Wow. So was it, a, was it a battle in the wintertime to see who could get uh, close enough to that uh, stove there in the middle, not too well, close. Yeah, yeah, you didn't want to be too close. <laughs> uh, it and the, it's school, the school would be hot inside. It really would because he would overheat the fire. Yeah, and um, the the stove itself would get almost white hot. Ooh, um, never mind red. It was red every day, <laughs> and um, so you know, looking back on it, uh, I'm 
surprised that any of us live through it. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely an interesting story. And have a few more minutes here with author Richard Roberts talking about his book, West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror, talking about uh, the early days uh, down in Fayette County. But uh, as I look at the back of the book here, I see you standing next to a NASCAR. And I know you have a little bit of a NASCAR uh, connection. And uh, as we do here uh, in our collection of stations with WVRC Media, uh, the real deal, Bob Steele, who's the morning guy uh, next door over on 95.9 The Big Dog. He's a big-time uh, racing guy. So what's your NASCAR connection? Were you racing a little bit? Well, I didn't race, but people used to say, you know, what did you do for the team? And I'd say I was a driver, <laughs> but I drove the van <laughs> and, um, I, uh, I, I worked on, uh, with the, uh, the vendors and mm-hmm. the people that sponsored, we, um, had a small race team that was in the ARCA group and we had a contract with Jack Roush to train drivers. Okay. And uh, we trained, I don't know, half a dozen drivers. Only two of them uh, made it through really well. Uh, one was David Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, David Reagan, and the other was Chris Boucher, who's still racing. Yeah, See, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, Chris is, uh, drives number 17 for Roush. And um, he won Bristol two weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. So I knew Chris when he was 17 years old just getting ready to to go in there and he would be in the shop working on the cars and he'd have grease on his face and on his clothes and you know he's just like any 17 year old guy going in there and remodeling a, a an old engine or something so um but i started out working for wrva tv okay and um in richmond and we televised one of the very earliest nascar races ever televised which one was that it was the richmond uh it was a third mile track half mile yeah. i guess and um it was dirt oh okay and so we had two cameras and um but, but we interviewed bill france and mm-hmm. um uh joe weatherly was uh brought his race car in yeah and the tv station and we had, i ran a camera and we did all the work for it so we got involved with racing i got involved with racing at that level and um stayed with it and um we sponsored an arca team for probably four or five years wow and um so i had a lot of fun with it and that was a conversation with Richard Roberts, author Richard Roberts, author of the book West Virginia in the Rearview Mirror. It's a fantastic read, especially uh, if you want to hear about life in West Virginia back in the day, especially during World War One, and if you or World War Two rather. Uh, not not going to make Richard out to be older than he is. I mean, Richard's a great guy. He's a great storyteller. It was so awesome to be able to talk with him uh, last week. And of course, you just heard that there. Now head over to our text line 304-263-4321. 304-263. 4321. This one's from 304671. Uh, Sending me a picture of what milkweed is. Now, if you're listening to that uh, interview, of course, I had no idea what milkweed was, and I would have never thought that this is what milkweed is. Uh, looking at the picture. Uh, it looks pretty intense, but apparently they used to uh, sell them and different things like this. But the texter says, Mr. Robert's story is no different than how Berkeley County was in the same time period, minus the coal. Parts of Hedgesville didn't have power until the early to mid-50s which is crazy to think about nowadays with how many people in the industry and the things that are around here now. Uh, And also on the text line, 
Uh, got a text here from Marsha, who, of course, is out on the road this morning uh, going down to see her mom in southern West Virginia. 304-263-4321 is the text line. And she's saying that I don't sound too bad that I'm uh, as I'm fighting off this cold. I feel like I sound awful. But um, Marsha says don't sound too bad. So thanks to Marsha uh, for, for the text message there. 304-263-4321. Uh, do got to get to the bottom of our break. Stick around. We'll be back with more Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. You're listening to my Uncle Doe and Marsha on Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by brought to you by Sutton and Janelle. Excuse me, Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location, downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Marsha is out for the day, but I do have my next guest joining me on the line from the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. It's Max Richmond. Max, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Absolutely. I hope you're not uh, fighting off colds like I have been the last couple of days, not the weather starting to change. No, so far so good. Well, good, because uh, I feel like I sound like a 12-year-old on here a couple times a day with my voice cracking here and there. Uh, but let's talk about a little Social Security and Medicare, because I'm seeing here that there's a reduction, uh, or there's going to be a reduction in the cost of Part B premiums that, well, can be pretty significant, right? Well, yes, there's good news on both fronts, Social Security and Medicare. The, the Part B premium uh, is going to be reduced a little over $5 a month on average, so from 170 to 165. Uh, that's good news. That doesn't happen very often. And, and, and the reason for that is the, co- the uh, premium was boosted much too high last year, the year we're just finishing, because of really an anomaly in the way that that uh, was established. So that's going to be good news. That coupled with the fact that the Social Security program is having a generous cost of living adjustment, a COLA. Everybody who's on the program knows what a COLA is. And that is a record-breaking 8.7 percent, largely due to the uh, awful inflation that we've been experiencing in the country. So uh, the the bottom line is the average Social Security check will increase by over $140. Um, The uh, uh, premium is going down. That means more money in people's pockets to deal with the actual inflation that is impacting uh, everybody. Now, what about some of the prescription drug plans and things like that? Because I've been kind of, you know, perusing through a couple of the big headlines. And uh, I know Part D, uh, there are some things that, you know, you're hoping that there could be some changes made to? Well, I'm not just hoping. Uh, we're, we're going to see changes in the prescription drug. Part D, as you mentioned, is the uh, prescription drug portion of uh, Medicare that has been in, in effect since about 2003 when it was created. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, yeah, Inflation Reduction Act that the Congress passed and the president signed uh, a, a little bit ago includes uh, major savings uh, when it comes to uh, Medicare beneficiaries' uh, drug costs. Uh, they, for the first time, I mentioned that in 2003, a Part D prescription drug benefit was added to Medicare. At that time, outrageously, the uh, government was specifically prohibited in that law from negotiating with the pharmaceutical companies for the best price. It made no sense. Mm-hmm. It was a, a gift to the pharmaceutical industry. They held on to that gift ever since and only in, about, until about a month ago when finally uh, the uh, Congress took on and defeated 
the pharmaceutical industry. And going forward, uh, the uh, drugs will be negotiated between the government and the uh, pharmaceutical industry, the drug companies, not as, as many drugs at first as we wanted. Uh, um, but uh, it is happening uh, over time. More drugs will be added to that negotiation process. The good, thing, good news in that is the drugs that will be uh, subject to negotiation are the most expensive drugs. So it's going to have a dramatic impact on lowering the cost of prescription drugs uh, for, for Medicare beneficiaries. And on top of that, that same, very same law will impose a hard cap of $2,000 a year out-of-pocket for Medicare beneficiaries that uh, subscribe to the Part D uh, drug benefit. That is huge because, as you know, I'm sure some people that have uh, enormous medical uh, bills and prescription drug costs because of serious, very serious illnesses Mm -hmm. can rack up many times more than $2,000 a year. They're going to be protected uh, by this cap. And uh, the, the starting uh, January 1st, uh, there will also be a cap on the out-of-pocket cost uh, for insulin, uh, which is going to be very helpful to those needing, uh, suffering from diabetes and needing insulin, $35 a month, a hard cap uh, for out-of-pocket expenses. So all in all, some pretty good news uh, for uh, Social Security beneficiaries. We're not done working to improve the program but we've made some progress here in the last few months. Yeah, it certainly does sound like you've made uh, some pretty significant headway. Again, speaking with Max Richmond from the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. Now, of course, Max, we're coming into political season. No early voting started uh, across the border here in Maryland. And, of course, in West Virginia, we got the political season right here now. So how does that look with uh, the different you know, politicians and things that are floating around the country? How does that look in terms of Social Security and Medicare? Are there some bright spots? Well, actually, there's some, some serious concerns we have. Uh, we have had, uh, in fact, the, the uh, negotiation of prescription drugs that I mentioned, we've had members of the U.S. Senate uh, uh, talking about and co-sponsoring legislation that repeals that. You remember how many times the Congress tried to repeal the Affordable mm-hmm. Care Act, Obamacare? Um, I, I'm concerned we're going to see the same thing happen again. If, uh, especially if Republicans are in the majority in the House or the Senate, there's already a movement afoot to repeal uh, that uh, negotiation authority and giving into the pharmaceutical industry uh, once again. On Social Security, there's, there are proposals that are being talked about that would uh, basically uh, the term is sunset. There's a senator from uh, Florida has uh, legislation that he's going to be that he's talking about. He has a plan to, as he calls it, sunset these programs every five years. What does that mean? We're, we're going to basically start from scratch every five years and recreate Social Security and Medicare. Can you imagine the nightmare mm. that we would be living through? If that were the case, as complicated as these programs are, as controversial as they would become, uh, especially with the trade-offs that would be inevitable, uh, that is uh, a recipe for disaster for dismantling of these programs. So that there are concerns about uh, Social Security and about Medicare. Uh, we're going to be lobbying to protect both programs 
throughout uh, the rest of this year, through the election season, and into the next Congress in January. Again, speaking with President of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare, Max Richmond. Now, I'm going through your Facebook page, and uh, what's this I see with you with some um, boxing gloves on and things on some different uh, posts? Were you, you getting in the ring, or what, what are you fighting well, for I've, out there? I've been, I've been embarking uh, for the last uh, couple months, and as so has uh, our Director of Government Relations and Policy, uh, Mr. Dan Adcock, on uh, <laughs> endorsing uh, candidates uh, throughout the country. Uh, we uh, we endorse uh, challengers as well as incumbents. With incumbents, we look at our scorecard. We have a score, keeping track of votes that impact seniors. Uh, and with challengers, we have a very rigorous uh, interview questionnaire process. And so we're out uh, presenting boxing gloves to uh, candidates that are uh, committed Either we know that by the way they voted or by the interviews and questionnaires that we have, uh, the process we've gone through, they're committed to protecting Social Security and Medicare. And I present, I don't know which pictures you're talking about, because <laughs> I've been all over the country. I've been in, in the Midwest. I've been in Florida, uh, uh, all over uh, Virginia, Maryland. Dan was up in upstate New mm-hmm. York uh, just this past week, Pennsylvania. We give these boxing gloves as a symbol. Uh, to have these candidates go to Washington and uh, use these boxing gloves if they need them to fight to protect Social Security and Medicare. Uh, There are a lot of members of Congress that have those boxing gloves hanging in their Washington, D.C. or their uh, district or state offices Mm -hmm. because uh, we did help them, and they are um, responding by helping to protect both these programs. Again, speaking with Max Richmond, president of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. Now, we got just a few minutes, so we have to get to our final break of the hour. Anything else you want the folks uh, to know about, especially here uh, in West Virginia? Well, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm grateful to Senator Manchin for working with uh, the uh, leadership in the Congress and, and getting the Inflation Reduction Act uh, through. Uh, he's, uh, I, pres- I was in West Virginia during his last reelection campaigning for him all over the state, um, town hall meetings, uh, uh, media interviews, uh, meetings in uh, uh, senior centers, because he has a long-standing record of protecting and working on behalf of seniors. So I was very pleased that uh, an arrangement could be worked out, and his vote was uh, critical in getting the Inflation Reduction Act uh, passed in the Senate and, and signed into law, and that will mean as we've been talking about, significant uh, benefits uh, for uh, Medicare beneficiaries when it comes to the cost of prescription drugs, uh, insulin, uh, out-of-pocket caps of, of, uh, uh, for prescription drugs. So I'm very grateful to the senator, and I know his constituents are as well. Again, speaking with Max Richmond, president of the National, Secu- National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. Um, I'll let you go, but thank you, Max, for taking a little bit of time this morning to chat with me here on Pain Handle Live. Well, I'm, I'm my pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks again, Max.
And that's Max Richmond, the president of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. Always some interesting information there, especially for a state like West Virginia, which, uh, sorry to say it, but it is an aging state. So those uh, checks and things, they become a lot more important, a lot more significant. And while it seems like there's some good progress being made uh, by the help of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. But stick around. Got to get the last break. We'll be back with more Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live. With hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle. Full service law firm, serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, but joining me on the phone is Bill Rodenauer. Bill, how you doing? Great. How you doing today? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How's the uh, how's the campaign trail been? Uh it's been enjoyable in many many respects the great part about going out and knocking on doors is the opportunity to meet some fantastic people of course not some i mean the overwhelming majority of people i've met on the campaign have been just unbelievably um good to talk to um gracious um more than i could have ever imagined Again, uh, Bill Rodenauer for West Virginia Delegate District 100. Now, before we start talking about campaign trail things, I saw you got a pretty big endorsement, uh, especially here uh, across the state of West Virginia fairly recently. Uh, But you are a uh, veteran, and, of course, Veterans Day is coming up uh, here on the 11th. So uh, we were talking with a couple guys uh, a couple days ago here on Panhandle Live about Veterans Day and the Veterans Day Parade, which, by the way, for folks listening, is Saturday, November 12th at 1 p.m. right through downtown Martinsburg. Um, So for you, being a Marine Corps veteran, correct, what yep. does Veterans Day, you know, mean to you? <clears throat> well, it, it means it's different from Memorial Day. Memorial Day is where we celebrate or remember mm-hmm. uh, the the men and women who died for our country. Veterans Day is where we remember those men and women who uh, were willing to risk their lives, who were willing to uh, lay down everything in order to preserve our freedoms. Um, the it's a different type of day. We we have lost um, a lot of folks uh, through our wars, but we've also lost a lot of folks in military drills, exercises, uh, day-to-day routine. Uh, it's, it's a dangerous profession. It's a profession that um, is uh, something that requires a, a full-time commitment from the individual and from the unit. <clears throat> and, uh, many times we overlook the uh, amount of effort it takes. I mean, it's it's a 24-hour commitment. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to um, do everything, and that, that means very intense training. Uh, we've had many, many of our uh, service members who live in the district have injuries or have had um, illnesses, contracted while they were in the service and that's that's something that we need to remember is that this is a very difficult uh career and you can't just uh it's not something that you would normally do uh in a civilian environment Mm -hmm. things that that you would have a lawsuit for in the civilian environment is a routine accident or a routine issue that you you just overlook in the military because you have to continue on with the mission right well, thank you for your service, uh, Bill, especially being a Marine Corps veteran. But let's talk about the campaign now. A couple of days ago, you had a big meet and greet with the Attorney General uh, also joining you. How did that go? 
went fantastic. He did a fantastic job uh, laying out what he's doing uh, to help our state and our country. Uh, he's, uh, I, I fully and firmly believe he's the best attorney general in the country. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is absolutely leading some terrific efforts against um, what I consider a overreaching federal government, um, particularly under the Biden uh, administration. Um, and I think he's doing a great job trying to find those things where uh, it's going to benefit the state of West Virginia and West Virginians. Well, for those that might just be uh, hearing your name for the first time, let people know uh, kind of what you're running for, what your stance is. Uh, well, I'm really trying to look at what we can do for the district of uh, District 100, uh, how we can try and improve some of the issues within the district, particularly down on the mountain uh, where they have unique issues. And as I've been finding, uh, as I've uh, gone along the the river area, mm-hmm. um, there are some unique issues in that area as well. Um, we, ha- we have some serious issues relative to Internet. Um, we have broadband problems, but we have individuals who have no access to Internet, not because they don't want it, but because they simply can't get it. Right. And that's something that we need to solve. I mean, we, we need to be moving. Uh, we're, we're a fairly um, close to the D.C. area. We have... Lots of folks that work in uh, Northern Virginia, Maryland, um, who work fairly important uh, jobs uh, in tech and other things, and they they don't have basic internet service a lot of times, um, or they have speeds that are so slow that it inhibits really their ability to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that if we can resolve not only those for the homes, but then increase the broadband internet for is we can bring more businesses into the area, allow West Virginians to start their own businesses, uh, because you, you in, in today's modern economy, you really have to have good Internet access in order to try and um, develop a, a job or develop a business that's going to be viable. Right. Uh, and we don't really have that in a lot of areas. And I think that, that we need to get that throughout the state of West Virginia. I'm not just talking the panhandle. We, we need to make sure that <clears throat> our entire state um, – has that. I also want to focus uh, quite a bit on education. Our educational system is simply not where it needs to be by any stretch. Um, We're 45th to 49th, depending upon the group you look at, Mm -hmm. in terms of educational quality. We're paying the 22nd highest amount per student in the country. That's, I have a master's in economics. Um, From a a cost-benefit perspective, it's not even close to being what we should be at. Well, Bill, Well, Bill, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but unfortunately we have just sure. a minute or so until we have to get uh, off the air at the top of the hour. So I want to give you enough time to let people know where they can go to find out more uh, about you, especially running for West Virginia Delegate District 100 out of Jefferson County, and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, it's Bill Reidenauer for Delegate2022.com, and I do have a Facebook page uh, as well, and I'd encourage uh, folks to look at both. And um Send me an email at elect at Bill Reidenauer for Delegate 2022, uh, and I'd be happy to address any issues. Well, Bill, thank you for joining me on Panhandle Live this morning. Yeah, have a great day. Thank you very much for the time. Absolutely, no problem. Thanks, Bill.
And that's Bill Rodenauer for West Virginia Delegate District 100 out of Jefferson County. If you want to learn more about him, of course, he's got a Facebook page, website, and things, uh, which you just heard there. And you can listen back a little bit later on on our Paint Angel Live Facebook and Spotify page because that just about does it for me for today. I'm going to try and go uh, get my voice back and maybe kick this cold. We'll see. But uh, as I look outside, it looks cold out anyway. So maybe just that vicious perpetual cycle of the year that we're in where I'm just sick constantly with these nagging colds and whatnot. But for the absent March Cavalli, I'm Jordan Iceworth with Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a great rest of your day. Hoppy's next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.